All right, so uh, next week starts Advent. Um, we're going to have decorations up, right? Donna Schaller is going to be doing some, and her team is going to be putting together some stuff, yeah, today and tomorrow. So by next Sunday we get here, it's going to look all Christmassy and festive. Yes! I love Christmas. I do. I just love decorations and all of that. It's fun. I usually keep mine up all year round. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, so that'll be fun. I'm excited about that. It's going to be a series, a four-part series on Go Tell It on the Mountain. So uh, I'm going to be excited about that. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm excited for what the Lord is leading me in in that and uh, excited to see what he does through that. Uh, but also just excited for this season, right? It's good for us to pause and prepare ourselves for this great moment in history that is still continuing to impact our world, right? You know, that Jesus... Jesus came, right? That he is with us. Uh, so super excited about that. But this week, uh, I get one more week to uh, step on toes and meddle in life. Uh, so I'm going to do that. So that's going to be great. I'm going to talk about giving today. You're welcome. It's going to be awesome. You know, the time to talk about giving and tithing and stuff is when the budget is good just so you know, right? Because otherwise people are like, oh, you know, we're not been giving enough, and now the pastor's, you know, beating up on us because we haven't given, you know, and budget's not, you know, it's, no, that's not happening. So it's good. We get it. We can have a, this is a sweet time talking about giving today. We're, we're, there's no, like, guilt, no shame. It's, well, there might be a little bit, but that's just the Holy Spirit thing doing. It's not, not coming from me. It's going to be great. Uh, uh, and I think it's just fitting that we start with an illustration that you guys, I'm sure, are aware of, and if you're not aware of, I'm sorry, you, you just need to watch the movie Nemo, Finding Nemo, right? Because the seagulls, I think, set the tone, right? The, the seagulls set the tone, right? What, what do they say? Yes, the best ever. Oh my gosh, I love the seagulls, right? Not the music group, by the way, but uh, anyway, so uh, mine, my, like, I mean, I, this, this is the, like, like, that's the, the chance of Americans, right? I mean, it's like mine, right? And, and I noticed this actually when I went to Cambodia. When I went to Cambodia, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. When I went to Cambodia, one of the things that was like crazy was the traffic. And because uh, they, they have like, you know, tuk-tuks and they have, you know, motorcycles, they have, you know, cars, they have buses, they have vans, they have things that are packed on their motorcycles that are like, it's just crazy, right? But they're all like driving down the road and it's just, there's so many cars and they don't have like lights, like they don't have like traffic lights. And so you come to an intersection in the middle of the city and it just like, it's just, everybody's kind of slows down, everybody's honking their horn and they just kind of make it through, right? And I'm like, that would never work in America because everybody's like, yeah, oh yeah, you're honking, okay, yeah, go, go that way, I go this way, whatever. Just kind of every, in America it's like, no, this is my lane. Get us my turn. What are you doing, jerk? Come on, right? You know, I mean, we are, it's mine, mine, mine. Everything is ours, right? You know, and we have this very kind of perspective about the things that we have, even the road that we drive on, right? So uh, uh, this is uh, our perspective that we need to break down and kind of try to get rid of if we can. But also, uh, again, I, I think there's some, some, but a biblical manipulation that has happened in regards to giving as well that I want to address this morning uh, and, and maybe encourage you because I think maybe some of us are giving out of a sense of guilt, which I don't think is appropriate either and from what scripture teaches us. And so we're going to get into that as well. Uh, hopefully by the end of today, uh, you'll just be excited about getting to be a part of what God is doing in our world and, uh, and by, doing, by getting involved in giving 
maybe more than you already are. So let me read 2 Corinthians 9, uh, our passage today, uh, verse 6 through 15. The point of this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon them. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. When it comes to giving, like many other spiritual practices, God invites his children to join him. He doesn't demand they join him. It is not, when it comes to giving, it is not do this or else. It is follow me and enjoy. This is not a salvation issue. You know, we don't have to worry that if we don't give enough that God's going to reject us. We don't have to worry about, you know, this tension of trying to appease God. You know, I got to make sure I give my 10%, my tithe, otherwise, you know, oh my gosh, God might, you know, cause curses to come down on me. In God's economy, love is the proper motivation for everything we do. And so we give because we love God and because we love others and for no other reason. We do not give to appease God. We do not give to avoid punishment. We give because of our, the overflow of love that we have already received and that we pass on to others then. When we join Jesus in giving, when we accept the invitation to give, we become givers who give with gratitude, with joy, and with faith. Giving with gratitude. Uh, we, I think, uh, in America, own too much. We, as American Christians, own too much. You see, we think that, you know, if we earned it, you know, if I put in the time, if I put in the effort, right, if, if I clocked the hours, 
then I should get the benefit, right? I should get that in return. And what I have gotten, I've earned, right? So, so the money I have, the home that I have, the car that I drive, you know, like I've earned that. I've got that. It's mine. This is the American mindset. If we, and, and, and so if we, uh, if we earned it, then that means we deserve it. And if we deserve it, that means that we own it. So all of our possessions, we use mine. It's mine. This is my house. This is my car. It's my kids. Debbie even does that. <laughs> or if they're being bad, then it's your kids, right? You guys know what that's like, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, like, you know, it's mine, 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 mine. We always are using this mine, you know, word, right? For everything that we have. It's mine. It's mine. Now, you know, it's just semantical, but maybe we need to consider changing the way we use that word, Right? Because the reality is, is that even earthly things and heavenly blessings become ours. Even the graces of God become mine. This is the battle of our, sanctif- our view on sanctification. Too many of us are striving. You know, we, we get saved by grace, but then we get into the kingdom of God, and then we earn our sanctification. So any of the blessings that we get once we're saved is ours because we earned it. Instead of recognizing that our sanctification is just as dependent on grace as our salvation. So we get heavenly blessings because of God's amazing grace. And yet, because, again, this American mindset, it becomes ours. Well, I went to church, I read my Bible, and I spent a lot of time in prayer. And I gave a little bit on Sunday, at least 10% of what I had in my pocket. (laughs) And so it's now ours. I earned this blessing. It's mine to use as I want it. But I think we need to be reminded of this amazing truth that we own nothing. Indeed, our very life is not our own. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about the fact that we've been bought at a price that Jesus paid. He gave it all so that we could have life. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that we can't even take a breath without God being aware. We spent some time in Genesis about this reality that he is, God is the only self-existent one. The rest of us are dependent on him. And if at any moment he decided to not be aware of us, to not think of us, we would cease to exist. We have nothing. Matthew chapter 5 gives this uh, amazing uh, uh, parable about the talents, right? I'm not going to read the whole thing. You guys know the parable of the talents, right? We got a guy who gets, you know, like five and another guy that gets two and one gets one talent, right? And there's this, you know, and so Jesus is telling the story and then the, the owner of those talents, he leaves and he comes back and, and the guy with five, he invests and gets five more. The guy with two, he invests and gets two more. The guy with one's like, oh, I'm freaking out. I'm going to bury it, right? And so what is, who's the, who's the, you know, who's the bad guy in the story? It's the guy with one, right? Because he just buried it. But what's the what's truth about all of those guys? Are they investing their own stuff? No. None of it's theirs. And this is the reality that we need to come to in understanding 
If we want to be givers with, that give with gratitude, we have to understand that the fact that we can give anything is because of the amazing grace of God. What a privilege that we have anything to give. See, giving comes out of gratitude because we realize what we're giving is not something that we earned. It's not something that we had. It's like, oh my gosh, God, you gave me this. I've got to enjoy it and use it for a time, and now I get to pass it on to someone else. This is the attitude of gratitude that we find when we have a right perspective about our possessions and our wealth. The question that has to be asked in regards to giving is, are, you, are we giving our stuff or God's? You see, if we're giving our stuff, then the reward is just that. Look what I did. I gave out of my abundance to somebody else and made their day. So we get the glory. But if we're giving his stuff, who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Giving what is mine is blessing enough. We get credit for that. We get the credit. Everybody looks to us. How many of our philanthropists in the world, right, want their names on the building? This is mine. I gave it. I want you to know who gave it. I want to make sure everybody knows. Versus giving his stuff. When we understand that all that we have is not our own, but it's actually his. And he's just allowed us to use it for a period of time. Then he gets the glory. Giving what is his equals great, causes us to be grateful for what we have and give glory to God. We must come to the point where we know that all we have, every bit, the house, the home, the money in the bank, the food that we purchase, everything that we have is a gift from God. And when we get to that point, then we can be grateful. And we can be generous, right? It's different when we're giving like somebody else's stuff, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know, maybe you did this with your kids, maybe you didn't, but like, you know, the fun around Christmas, right, is to take your kids before they have a job, before they have money, like, hey, let's go buy, you know, mom a gift or whatever, right? And are they, whose money are they using? Like, it's, you know, my money, right? Right? It's so, no, don't say mine, right? Yeah, anyway, so it's my money, right? And so I'm giving the kid, you know, this gift, but they're really excited about being able to give a gift to mom, right? It's like uh, they recognize, maybe they don't recognize completely, but that's us. Like, I mean, we can get a little more excited about it when we're like, oh my gosh, I don't have to like give of what is mine. I'm giving what is God's. So it's like, because if I give what is mine, that means I got to earn more, right? But when we recognize that everything we have has been a gift already, then we're just giving of that abundance, right? God's given once. He's going to give more. It's going to be okay. We can trust him with that. Next, we need to look to be able to give with joy. 
I think there's too many times uh, when money is talked about in church. There's too many Christians who have been encouraged to give selfishly. Too many have been encouraged into selfish giving. And I think a lot of this comes from, uh, which is, I think it's a great book, but, you know, I think we, we kind of misunderstand things here a bit. Malachi chapter 3. Now, in Malachi chapter 3, this is the, the chapter that talks about, uh, you know, God's telling his people, hey, you're robbing God. You know, you're robbing me. And, and, and so they're like, well, how are we robbing you? Well, you're robbing me because you're, uh, you're, not, you're not giving your tithe. Your tithes and offerings, you're not, you're not giving those to the church. And so that means you're robbing God. And so God's like, you know, you know, test me in this. Give your tithe and see if I don't like open up the floodgates, right? And that you are blessed. And so I've heard these statements given so many times when talking about money. That we are actually supposed to test God in this. And that this is a guarantee. That if you start giving more, you're going to start getting more. I'm sorry, this is health and wealth doctrine is what this is. Now, we can Christianize, you know, polish it up a little bit so it looks okay in our evangelical churches, but it really is at its heart is, this is health and wealth. This is like trying to manipulate God into giving us more. It is selfish giving that's focused on what I get out of it. Oh, I want more, so if I want more, I need to give more. Oh, that's how it's going to work, right? So I, so I can give more, I'm going to give more. This is an Old Testament legalistic perspective. The Israelites are under the law. They are in covenant with God, an Old Testament law covenant, where they told God, yes, we love you, we think you're great, and so we're going to obey your law. But we also know, because you told us, that if we don't obey your law, that you will curse us. But if we do obey your law, you will bless us. This is Old Testament law perspective. We are no longer in the Old Testament. We are in the New Testament, and the new covenant is in the blood of Jesus, and it is a, a covenant of grace not of law. So I'd encourage all of us to be careful about jumping on the giving equals blessing bandwagon. Because if we're going to jump on that bandwagon, then we also, like the Israelites, should be prepared for when we do not give, receiving the curses of the law as well. But think about it. How many here love to pay taxes? <laughs> I'm the only one? Oh, wait. <laughs> right? Like, w taxes, like, it's just not fun, right? It's, it's, you know, it's just, it's not something we enjoy. You know, they, the government tries to make it better by just taking it out every paycheck, right? You know? So, oh, you don't really notice it, right? You know? But no, 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 no. We know. We, we get it, right? I mean, taxes are not fun to pay. I mean, all the different ways we pay it, whether you're going to the grocery store or whether you're, you know, for your property or whether, you know, be out of your paycheck, whatever it may be, income tax. It's, it's all bad, right? Why? Because it's demanded, Nobody likes to be forced to give stuff away, right? It just doesn't feel right. But how about Christmas? How many joy-filled gifts are given around Christmas? 
I've got a grandkid coming. I can't wait to spoil that kid rotten. Yes. Might even start this year, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's there, right? I mean, it's, it's happening. We've got some stuff happening right now. Anyway, so like how many joy feel, you know what I'm saying? Because that's not, you know, a demanded from us. Those kind of gifts we love to give. And why do we love to give them? We love to give them because of the reaction of our kids or our people that we're giving it to, right? We know that they're going to, well, they're going to love this. Woohoo, right? We're so excited. It's going to be great. This is really what they wanted and they're going to get it, right? And this is awesome. So we get excited about giving and have joy about giving when we actually get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on the one who's receiving the gifts. You see, the New Testament motivation for giving is not do this or get cursed. In the New Testament, it's not a selfish, legal motivation for giving. It's a, it's a giving that is focused on the one who's receiving. It's focused on freely giving instead of focused on what we're going to get in return. It's focused on the recipient, not what we will someday get. It's focused on being the flood, floodgates. It's focused on us getting to be a part of the flood instead of the one who receives the flood. You know, we want the floodgates open so that we can get all the goodies. That is not the New Testament mindset of giving. The New Testament mindset of giving is that it's greater to give than to receive. Acts 20, verse 35. That this is, it's better to give away than to receive. Free giving instead of legalistic giving or selfish giving is giving that is joyful. It's giving that's not concerned about punishment or reward. It's not concerned about what we have or what we don't have. It's just excited about passing on the blessings that we've already received. Right? It's not our stuff. It's not my stuff. God has already blessed us with all that we have. So that gives us great gratitude, thanking God for his amazing gifts, the abundance, and especially as Americans, we have abundant gifts. And when we recognize this amazing gifts that we have, and that there's no demand that we give it away, but just an invitation, then we get excited and then have joy-filled giving because we take the stuff that God's already given us that's blessed us and we know it's going to bless them and so we pass it on. Joy-filled giving is the result of focusing on the recipient. The reality is self-focused, legalistic giving is totally unsatisfying. There's no joy in it. It's giving to others to bless them that ignites our hearts with joy. How about giving with faith? 
Ultimately, I, I, I think this is true not just in giving, but of all of life. Our God is too small. And so are our gifts. Our God is too small, and so are our gifts. Not that we need to give more money, but we need to give with more faith. Have you ever asked God about how much to give? You ever spend time like thinking about that more than maybe once a year? You know, I think too many of us get, you know, in this kind of, this, uh, this, you know, kind of, I don't know, rut, if you will, where we just kind of, okay, you know, every year I see, okay, where I'm at and what God has gifted us, we'll pray about, oh God, what do you want us to give this year? And then we give, and then that's kind of the end of it. It's like a monthly, you know, tithe check, you know, we get that, make sure that take care of that. And it's just, it's in the, you know, box every week. And so I'm doing my part and, and it's, that's it. We never think about it again. That means the rest of whatever we have is ours just to kind of use however we want without even thinking about it. Our God is too small. You know, the tithe is not like, it's not for us, right? It's not, that's not the thing that we, we, we kind of measure ourselves up next to. And again, a lot of, you know, say, oh, we got to have a tithe with 10% of your giving. You know, you got to, you know, how much do you want to get blessed? You know, you want a 10% or, or maybe 12%, you know, whatever. But 10% is the guy. No, it's not the guide. The guide for how much we give is Jesus. What is he saying today? You know, giving is a form of worship, obviously. Our whole life is a form of worship, giving it all, right, to him, including our dollars. Yet too many of us in American Christianity today think and pray about money once a year. And then we never touch it again. Instead of, wait a second, this is an everyday thing. If everything is his, I own nothing, right? Then we should be asking God every day, what do I do with your gifts you've given me today, God? How much is it for me to enjoy? How much is it to me to pass on to somebody else? Our God is too small, and so are our gifts because we're not giving with faith. There's too many of us that place our trust in our wealth, not in Jesus. We too quickly go back, well, wait a second, I gotta make sure and take care of me and my family first. I got, you know, that's what God's given it to me. And he has, he's given those things to bless you and to take care of you. But we too often go to that and we shield our money around that. That's our trust. That's where we're, we're happy. That's where we feel like, okay, I'm gonna be okay because I've got money around me. I've got this, you know, house. I've got this car. I've got these stuff. I got, you know, I, I'm okay because I got this shield of wealth around me. It's not what God wants. Jesus is calling us to allow him to be our shield. Our money is just there. It's a gift from him. What do we do with it? Are we asking him? Are we even considering the fact that he might actually call us to give more than we did, more than we thought, more than we can? In Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about 
How if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the pagans do that. Even those who don't know Jesus do that. And I think this applies to our money as well. If you give what you can, how are you any different than the world? The world gives what they can as well. Now, it may not be to, you know, know, nonprofit organizations, but sometimes it is. Maybe they give to their family or give to others, or maybe they do hoard it and they give it to themselves or whatever. But I mean, really, are we any different than the world if we just give what we can? I think God wants us to come to him. It's not that we always are going to give more than we can. But are we asking the question? Are we really seeking him? It's amazing (laughs) the portion of what we've been given that we need (laughs) to survive, right? I mean, God gets his 10%. That's, you know, it's good. And I I give a little bit extra above that, so I'm like at 11 or 12%. Actually, giving in America is like plummeted over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Average American, I think, gives like under 2, 3%, 2%, something like that right now. But again, that's, don't, don't get me wrong. This is not, that's not the point. The point is not you giving 10%. The point is you giving what Jesus tells you to give. Um, I love, you know, God's word. He just has, it has a way of just like tweaking us, right? Because we're like, well, but no, God, I got to take care of me. And then there's this, you know, this dumb passage in Mark 12. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Truly I say to you, oh wait, let's start. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor woman, widow, has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering boxes. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. She's not holding back anything that shows she can take care of herself to meet her needs. She gave it all. We have to go to the Lord and ask him, what does he want us to give? And sometimes he may indeed ask us to give it all. The question is, do you trust your wealth or do you trust him? We need to give as the Lord directs. To whom? When? And how much? He's the one that directs our money. Are we trusting him in that area? Are we really open to that? Can we or have we developed the ability to hear his voice? Do we really trust him above our income? Are you ready to give all you have or even more than you have? been reading uh, some of uh, Lauren Cunningham. He's the guy who founded YWAM. 
It's got a couple of books out there that I've read, and it's amazing to, you know, I just encourage you if you want to stretch your perspective maybe on God's ability to provide, to maybe pick up some of his books and read. Because, you know, there was times when he felt like God told him to give money that he didn't have. (laughs) And he's like, how am I going to do that? He's like, okay, I'm ready. And so when the money came in, he was ready to give the money. Right? Are, we, are we ready? Now, not, not all of us are called to give it all away again. But the important piece is, are you listening? Right? Are, are you really willing and open each day to give as the Lord leads? The beautiful thing is that when we give with faith, it allows us to join in what Jesus is doing. Have you experienced that? Maybe not even in giving. Have you, have you ever been like a part of what you feel like God's doing? Like he used you in some way or that you got to be a part of something really cool that was happening in somebody else's life? Maybe it's not a massive, you know, mass, you know, big thing that everybody knows about, but there's one person in your life. Man. Have you ever been a part of that? Have you ever enjoyed that? Experience that. This is, what, this is what sanctification is. These are the invitations that Jesus has for us all the time. He says, look, I'm inviting you in to be a part of this. This is really cool stuff. It's really fun. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing, like, if I told you, like, to give your whole monthly income to, to some ministry or to some individual, and you did it, and then you saw what I did through that with this person, and yeah, you had to go without a meal for a couple of days, but you know what? It worked out in the end. And it was amazing. And you got to be a part of what I'm doing in this world. You see, we, is that what we really long for? Is that what we really want? I think too many of us just want to have our comfortable, you know, American Christian life. Again, this is not, don't feel guilt, don't feel shame. This is the invitation that he has for you. There's so much more. What America has to offer is nothing. It's so, it's horrible. It's just ugliness. It's not, it's not fun. It's not filled with joy. It's not something you're going to be excited about. No, no, being a part of what God's kingdom is doing, man, that's fun. Stepping out of your comfort zone. Why do we even have comfort zones? I got to say, you know, the last couple years has disrupted us. Us Americans were pretty comfortable. Us Christian Americans were really comfortable. And things have been disrupted. And we're all clamoring to get back into our comfort zone. But I think maybe, you know, God doesn't want us in our comfort zones. Are we going to get used to this? I think we need to. We need to become more dependent on Jesus always listening for his voice. What is he calling us to? What is he leading us into? Follow him above what is common sense, what is good budgeting practices, whatever it may be, right? Let's follow him instead of what the world tells us to do. It's not that the world doesn't have truth, doesn't have some logic in it, right? But we don't let that trump his voice in the moment. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? Just a couple of closing thoughts here. Again, this, is, this message is about making us aware of the invitation. And it's an invitation to love, not a demand to obey. 
I don't want any of you to walk out of the room today feeling like, you know, you're getting curses because, you know, you're not giving like you should or you, or you want to give or maybe you feel like God leading you to. This is not legalism. But what I want you to walk out of the room with feeling is that God's inviting you to join him in this. It's not just, you know, being a missionary. It's not just sharing your faith. It's not about just loving your family. It's not about, you know, just, you know, reaching out to the community or going down to the homeless shelter. It's not, not just those things. It's also our money. He's inviting us to join him with what he's already given us. Now, it, not like if you don't do it, like he's not going to slap you, right? He's not going to be, you know, really mad at you. And now he's, you know, he's going to give you the silent treatment for the next, you know, couple of days, right? That's, that's not the God that we worship. He just knows, he's like, this is so amazing. Do you, don't you want to come and be a part of this? Come on, let's, let's go. Give me your, surrender your money to me too and see what happens. It's going to be awesome. Trust me. And if we don't, then, ah, oh, that's too bad you missed out. But maybe next time. Tomorrow I'll come to you again. We see. Maybe next time you can do it. We enjoy generosity when, our giving, when we're giving with gratitude. Because we're giving his stuff, not our stuff. And we can be enjoying generosity when our giving is joy-filled because we're giving for for others, not for us. And we can enjoy our generosity when our giving is by faith because we're giving what he can and not what we can. All right, church. In a little bit, we're going to have a prayer team up here on either side. If you would like to get prayer this morning, uh, just, you know, for healing or for just a word of encouragement at some, some level, please don't hesitate to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your amazing goodness to us, Lord, that you have given us everything. Lord, I just uh, I thank you for that privilege, but uh, also, Lord, I, I thank you for the fact that uh, you have given us stuff so that we have stuff to give. <laughs> and so, Lord, I thank you for that, and just help us to, uh, to be listening, Lord. Help us to hear your voice, Lord. Help us to, uh, to take our money out of the shadows <laughs> and let us lay it before the altar and ask and just allow you to, to lead us in that. Lord, I thank you that you, uh, you don't, um, we're not under this legal, legal, legalistic code of the law. And Lord Jesus, thank you for fulfilling the law so that we can be under this new covenant of grace where our righteousness is dependent on our dependence on Jesus, not on our own abilities. But Lord, we do want to enjoy that righteousness. And so help us to do that with our money as well. Lord, help us to hear what you're doing and, and to join you in it and to be willing to, uh, you know, to, to really lay it all on the table and be ready to give whatever you say. Uh, Lord, help us to, to know and, be a, and, and affirm your voice in our life and our hearts so that we can give with confidence. And then again, Lord, just uh, the privilege that it is to see what you do with it. <laughs> 
Lord, it, it's so awesome that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing in this world and how you're blessing others. And Lord, maybe we've received an amazing gift in the past. Now we get to maybe be the one that gives that amazing gift, not that it's ours to give, but that we, you've given us, give it to us so we can pass it on. We get to be a part of the celebration. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to just surrender our lives to you and to keep you, to trust you more than we do the things of this world. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 and following. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that, accord, that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O men and women of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fights of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a